What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Airhead Attic Podcast. I'm Adam Best here as always on Wacky Wednesday with Richard Behind the Scenes. Today, we've got a different guest with us, not the uh, golden voice of Sterling. It's the encyclopedic knowledge of Matt Verderam. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. And to all the listeners, I'm sorry. I am not Sterling Holmes, but uh, Sterling is uh, is driving through uh, one tornado warning after the next as we speak. So the man's uh, he's got enough Oof. on his plate. Uh, the, the weather is uh, weather's not great if you live in the Midwest. I Thankfully, I do not have a tornado warning, but we have enough ice to uh, play hockey on. So we're good to go at it. I grew up on tornado warnings in the uh, Springfield area, and now I live in Alabama, which is like tornado quarter down down south. So I don't, I don't know how people deal with it. Like I grew up on the East Coast. Obviously, you can tell from the axe. I grew up in New York where like we never had any kind of natural – like we had Superstorm Sandy which was like the real big outlier. That's then, like the one time, right? That was it, man. And then and then realistically, one the one thing we did have as kids, we had floods. We had floods because we lived on the base of a mountain. So like if it rained, I mean, we had, we had kids like four days after I graduated high school. A couple of my classmates passed away because it was just happening in the middle of the night. And uh-huh. let me tell you something. You don't respect the power of water until you need to. And then all of a sudden – you are just blown away by how much water can move big things in a, in yeah. a hurry. But no, we didn't have uh, we didn't have tornadoes. Like that, that was never. I never even considered that. And then I moved out to the Midwest, and like my wife, who's lived there her whole life, she's not even phased by it. Like the sirens are going off, and she's just like, "I'm going to go get some bread. I'm going to go get some stuff." You're like, are you are you kidding? <laughs> I just immediately head for the basement. I'm I'm a huge wimp with it. I am. Yeah. If I hear that siren going off, I'm gone. I, I feel you, man. I grew up close to Joplin, and it's funny how the same places seem to get hit like every time. Joplin, yeah. OKC. Why, why live there? Why live where the hurricane? I, I wouldn't live in New Orleans personally. I love New Orleans. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, I hear you, dude. I I don't know. I I'm looking forward one day to retiring to New York, where I can just buy a house that's on the side of the mountain, and I never have to worry about any of this ever. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is like lightning's going to hit a tree and the tree's going to like damage the roof or something. Fine. I'll, I'll risk that. There you go. All right. We got, we got a lot of stuff to get into and enough, we enough, do. you know, I feel like we're like two 70 year old men talking about the weather. So before we get into all that stuff, as everybody already knows, but we're going to say it again, because it's important. The Arrowhead Attic podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. KC Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. And it's also the only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles. They actually brew their beer according to the Bavarian Beer Purity Law of 1516 using only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's incredible. It's award-winning brewery, has a terrific lineup of brews, so whatever type of beer you are into, Casey Beer Company has a style for you. Look for the red Casey Beer Co. cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic Podcast by supporting Casey Beer Co. Do us a favor and give at 
KC Beer Co., a shout that's beer with an I, a shout on Twitter. Let them know you heard about their product right here. Keep us in business, keep them in business, and dare to be a different. And of course, don't be a dope. Please drink responsibly 21 and over. We're kind of at that point of this, the offseason where it feels kind of too early to start, but yeah, I'm, I, hey, I'm an NFL junkie. I know you are. I'm ready to get into trade possibilities, free agent uh, targets. Yeah. So what I thought we'd do since yesterday, they went through the internal options. We would look at some external trade targets and, and free agent possibilities, mainly at the three biggest areas of need, uh, which I think are wide receiver, offensive tackle, and edge. Three premium positions. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think for them, yeah, look, they could use an elite receiver. They could use an edge rusher long-term to pair with Karloftis. And then, yeah, I think right tackle and safety, depending upon what they do with Wiley and Thornhill, right? So, Agreed. I mean, look, like a lot of Super Bowl champions, they're in a great spot to be in because you don't have a million holes if you're the Super Bowl champion. But what's unique about them is let's say the Eagles had won that game. The Eagles have a lot of guys who are hitting free agency, like major guys, Hargrave, Gardner Johnson, Bradbury, you know, there's other guys like Graham. Who might, yeah, right, right, yes. Um, Miles Sanders. Kelsey might retire. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson's getting there. Um, Fletcher Cox might retire. Like, there's just a, a lot of guys. And the Chiefs don't have that problem. Like, the Chiefs are so young because they, they've drafted so well over the last couple of years. They're actually in a weird spot for a Super Bowl champion. They actually have a lot of draft capital. They've got a lot of guys on cheap deals. And their salary cap situation is not bad. So they're in a very unique, advantageous position going into the offseason. They got ahead of this last season did by they? what they did with Hitchens and and the Honey Badger and trading out Tyreek. You could tell they were committing to go younger, which will be a recurring theme today, I, I think. But you don't want to think too much in the, in the luxury direction. That's what led to us drafting CEH, which I think in retrospect, everyone realizes was a mistake. Thinking, oh, we don't have any holes. We can focus on a position we normally wouldn't focus on in this round. So that's why I'm kind of focusing on the positions that I think are most important. And it seems like from what Brett Veach has done with his trades, trading for Kadarius, trading for Orlando, trading for Frank Clark, he's focused a lot on these positions. So let's uh, let's start with wide receiver and look at some free agents. So we know Juju Smith-Schuster is one of our own free agents. Before we dive into this, your lights are flickering yeah. out, aren't they? Ice Storm Central right now, man. Oh, man. We'll see how see how it plays out. Um, yeah, might this might turn into a Q and A if you if you got what's gonna happen, man. We'll see. Uh, so Juju Smith Schuster, what do you think are the chances of him coming back? And what kind of deal are we looking at looking at? And and would you advise that given that he's had, you know, hearing about his knee and that it was a miracle he played in the right. Super Bowl doesn't make me feel great about a 26 year old. Yeah, I mean, look, he's had injuries at times in the past. I don't know if I'd say he's injury plagued, but he's he certainly. Uh oh, guys, I think we lost a bat. So I'm just going to go down this list. What we are talking about is Juju Smith Schuster. Where would I sign him? Mm, anything over 15 mil per is too rich for my appetite. So I think it's possible that some other NFL team throws the bag at, uh, at Juju. So if that happens, we have to start looking at alternatives, especially if we let McCole Hardman go. Patrick, jump on, bro. I got you guys. Adam Best solo show, unexpected. So let's look at some of these free agent options. The first one 
is Jacoby Myers. So I think Jacoby Myers, probably including Juju Smith-Schuster, is the best wide receiver on the market. Uh, and, he, and he plays out of the slot as well. So if we're worried about Juju's health, if we're worried about because of his name and winning a Super Bowl, getting the bag thrown at him and Jacoby Myers is cheaper, I think he would be, he'd be a wonderful, wonderful option. Uh, he hasn't exactly been playing with awesome quarterbacks in New England during his time, time there up north. So I would love to see what he could do with Patrick Mahomes. So that's the first, that's the first option that I'm really into. Someone says, I don't think Juju will get better offers. Whew, you never know, man. I did not think uh, Christian Kirk would get 18 million a year or whatever he got. And Zay Jones would get 10, but uh, uh, the wide receiver market is, is pretty intense right now. Prices are being drove up very quickly. Uh, the market got reset last summer. Guys, we're going to get to the trade options. I see um, questions about Odell and DeAndre Hopkins. The next name on the list is Alan Lazard. I kind of like Alan Lazard too. I think he's he's a sneaky option uh, for an athletic, somewhat athletic possession receiver. And he's played in, with a similar quarterback. We saw with MVS going from Rodgers to uh, Mahomes is this Count Veach special. Yeah, is uh, they're similar quarterbacks in a way. I think they have similar processing. They have arms, just cannons for arms that can throw from any angle. So I like Alan Lazard as a possibility. I don't think he's going to break the bank. These are sort of juju emergency options. The next two names on my list are kind of different kind of players, deep uh, lid lifters, deep uh, field stretchers, DJ Chark and Paris Campbell. DJ Chark kind of had a, a one-year layover in um, Detroit, and it's been a while since he's been good. But he does he's a big guy with elite speed. Uh, and this, like I said, this is a very, very thin market. Paris Campbell? Oh, there, there he is. So yeah, power power's back. Hopefully for good. We're we're gonna. I like angry drunk, and it says uh, tight ass needs to pay up for his internet. I don't know that I can pay enough to just avoid an ice storm, but I, I hear you. I hear you. Do you want a smart lock, a two K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E three thirty. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes. I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So I've been ripping through these names by myself. I hit Jacoby. I hit Alan Lazard. Uh, I'm on DJ Shark and now talking about Paris Campbell, the... uh, the speedster out of Ohio state. Yeah, that's the, yeah. the, he's had some moments for the Colts, but never really broken out. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think there's two ways of looking at the receivers. And by the way, what I was going to say before, before, well, before God took me off the air was Juju's had injuries in his career. I mean, he's really, he's only played what, two full seasons ever. Now this year he played 16 games. So he was pretty close, but th- it is worth noting. It is. He gets hurt a lot. I think you look at the receiver position as one of two people. You either say, look, they just won the Super Bowl with a bunch of number two type receivers, number three type receivers. And as long as they have Kelsey as a tight end who's doing what he's doing, they're cool with that. Okay. The other way you look at it is they won despite not having a number one type receiver. And they should go out and try to acquire one. Now, I don't think it makes sense to go out and pay $30 million for some receiver because if you were going to do that, then why the hell didn't you just keep Tyreek Hill? Now you could say, well, they got the picks. Okay, fine. But I mean, still, you could have paid Tyreek Hill. I do think it makes sense for them. And I know this is where you and I disagree a little bit. I think it makes sense for them on a short deal to go after a guy like Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins. I would not renegotiate DeAndre Hopkins' current deal, which is two years and $36 million. And if the Chiefs get him, it's basically two one-year options. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bargain considering Christian Kirk, who's good, but certainly he's not certainly not DeAndre Hopkins, just got $22 million a year. Or $21 million a year, excuse me. Keenan Allen, if he gets cut, I mean, you could you could get him for a lot less, I think, than – you could you could pay you know a guy like a Kirk or somebody like you know AJ Brown got twenty five million a year so I wouldn't mind that on a short term deal but if the Chiefs were to trade for Hopkins and then renegotiate and give him twenty five million a year I think that's crazy I agree and Keenan Allen is on my list my personal feeling about this is sometimes there's anomalies and and usually it's players on the top end of the the talent spectrum like Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. Or, or Larry Fitzgerald that can right. kind of continue to produce in their 30s. But generally, we start to see that's the threshold where we start to see a drop off and players peak in between the ages of 23 and 30. We found out this week that at least from A.J. Brown's mouth, I mean, I don't know if this has been verified by anybody else, but he said that uh, Kansas City was kicking the tires on him right. along w- with the Jets and the Eagles before he got traded during the draft to Philadelphia that makes me think that Veach, it wasn't just about the money with Tyreek. It's I might be okay with paying a 25-year-old wide receiver 25 million, but paying a 28-year-old wide receiver 30 million is a little bit more dicey. And we've seen him kind of move towards this youth infusion in other positions too. He let, like we said earlier, he let the honey badger walk and yep. he moved on from Hitchens for for Gay and Bolton. So I'm just wondering if along with the money, it was just committing to longevity because 
with Patrick Mahomes, they're in, in, in a uh, unique position, kind of a New England-esque position where they can say, our Super Bowl window, I know Joe Burrow said the window is always open. I think that's bullshit. But I think for Mahomes, especially with Reed here and, and good ownership, it, it is open. So I'm just thinking these 30-year-old-plus guys with, an, with a history of injury, uh, lower body injuries, especially sure. like Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, those guys get real iffy for me. Yeah, I'd pass on those guys at this point. But if you're going to give up draft capital for a guy that you can only have for one or two years, right. that's where I would rather look at a, a Brandon Ayuk, an Elijah Moore, a Michael Pittman. If I'm giving up draft capital and money, um, I'd, I'd rather go for something that, uh, let's think past Kelsey. Because I think right now, kind of one of the arguments is we don't need a, a wide receiver one because of Kelsey. Right. He's 33 years old. What happens when he's 36 and he starts and he really falls off? Like just because Mahomes can win a Super Bowl with the cast of characters he just won it with doesn't mean that should be the way we operate every year. And I think a little bit of that happened because Brett Veach was put into that position when the the uh, offseason was already underway, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think it's so for the Chiefs. You don't want to get locked into a situation where all of a sudden you're old and expensive. That's the worst way you could possibly be in, in terms of the cap, right? I mean, you there are certain guys who are exceptions to the rule. There are certain guys like, I don't care. I'll pay that guy to the wheels falls off. I, wheels fall off. I think Kelsey's one of those guys. Like, you're just going to pay him. I don't care. You're going to sign that guy. And you know what? If you end up with one crappy contract here with him, so what? Like, it was worth it. You don't, you don't care. We call that the Eli Manning. Yeah, like, it's fine. If Patrick Mahomes at 42 years old just can't keep doing it, you'll you're fine. So what? Who cares? I'll tell you another guy I think belongs in that conversation at this point is Chris Jones. Like, you just pay Chris Jones. You pay him. To me, if a guy's a Hall of Famer, you just pay that guy. And you know what, man? If you end up with one bad year on a deal, so what? Who cares? In the NFL, you can always move off contracts. Where you don't want to be is the middle-level guy who's getting that third contract. That's the guy where you're like, okay, now we're in a real bad way because we paid some number two corner $15 million a year to at least 31 years old. Like, like for an example, I would give LeJarry Sneed a second contract. I think he's clearly deserving of it. I would not give him a third contract. That is, that is a great way to find yourselves in death because I think Sneed's a really good player, but he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not even a Pro Bowler. Like, I like him. He's very good, but like, I'm not paying that guy well into his 30s. Second year, second contract, sure. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with a guy like Orlando Brown, who is coming off of his rookie deal plus the tags. He's been in the league five years. James Palmer, as we've been on here, who's with NFL Network, he's really playing with the Chiefs, tweeted out a, a video of himself talking, but he also tweeted out some text. He said, looking at Orlando Brown and a possible contract extension with the Chiefs, you also have to look at the rest of the offensive line. A few guys are set to be paid after the 23 season, which would be Creed and, and Trey Smith. And Joe Tooney becomes much more expensive starting in 2023, which is true. He's got $22 million cap hit. It'll be a numbers game for Brett Veach. I don't want to put words in, in James's mouth. He does an excellent job. But I'm going to go ahead and guess that that was sourced without being technically sourced. Like, that, that is coming from somebody who's saying, look, like, yeah, we'd love to pair Orlando Brown, but like, we got to make it work. I will say this. I think if you're the Chiefs, if there is one position group you invest in, it is that offensive line. Because if he's upright, you're winning. Period. End of story. 
Would you would you give Brown an extension? Not to go off the board here, but would you give Brown, let's say it's five years and it's, I don't know, a buck ten and sixty-five guaranteed. Would you do it? What's that per year? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah. I'd I'd do it at twenty-two. So I would too. Just because we've seen him operate and it be successful. And is he is he Larry Mitonsel? Is he uh, David Bakhtiari? No, he's not. But there are probably 15 left tackles who are worse than him. And you're you're not just you're not just investing in a left tackle. You're protecting the best asset in football. And we know he's done a decent job. So I would. Uh, and what I like about the franchise tag for offensive linemen is it's not just based on tackle. It's based on all the positions. But I believe it's 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 120, 120% of what he got he made last year on the tag, yes, right? Yes. So yeah. 60, 20-something, roughly. I, I think yeah. I'd just do the tag. and um, Oh, I think I think they are going to do the tag. Give yourself another another year to find Patrick Mahomes' long-term blind, uh, blindside protector. Now, if someone like Laramie Tunsil was available, I don't expect him to be, but maybe, you know, they're rebooting in, in Houston, and maybe, I don't I think he's 28 years old. So if someone like that were available then yeah, I, I, I may move off him, but you're right. Like how much money can we sink into the offensive line? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think sometimes, too, like, people have to factor in, you know, you always get a lot of people say, well, you know, just tag them and trade them. Okay. Let's play that out, though. Like, you got to play it out if that's your opinion, which is fine if that's your opinion. I've had a lot of people say it to me. It's reasonable enough. Okay. Guess what? Free agency this year sucks. Like, is atrocious. I was just texting with somebody in the league about this like an hour ago. It's one of the worst free agency classes of all time. Okay? It's not good. You are not replacing him in free agency if you trade him. I'm telling you right now, and if you don't believe me, go look at the top 50 free agents in the NFL this year. Go look up any list and go find the top left tackle. Let me tell you something. You know who he is? On Who that guy is on every single list? Orlando Brown. By a mile, it's Orlando Brown. So you, if you trade him, you then have to find his replacement in the draft, and you're picking 31st. Now, you could move up. I get all that, but, man, you don't know how the board's going to fall. What if there's a run on guys? What if Veach in this, in this front office, what if they don't like these guys in this class? Like, then what? Then what happens? And now you got a rookie who may or may not be good. People just automatically say, oh, he's a first-round pick. He's going to be good. Historically speaking, about 50% of guys in the first round are busts, okay? And obviously, the further back you go, the more percentage you're looking at. So, to me, I am tagging Orlando Brown. I am not trading Orlando Brown. And I am trying to extend him. Now, you want to talk about, well, it's going to get expensive? Fine. You can always look. With Tooney, after this year, you can always look at it and go, maybe give him an extension, smooth out some of the money. Maybe you even move on and you say it's a hell of a lot easier to replace a guard than it is a left tackle. You know, maybe you wait one extra year to pay a, a, a Creed uh, Humphrey or, or a Trey Smith. You could do a lot of different things. But 
the one thing I don't think you can do is trade Orlando Brown and just play football's version of Russian roulette in the draft and just go, I don't know, hopefully we get the fifth best tackle in the draft and it works out just fine. It would be uh, it would be a very precarious thing. And I, and I, by the way, I think you also better run that by Mahomes, who is the one who's risking his health here. He would have to sign off. Definitely. And draft positioning is the entire reason we traded for Orlando Brown in the first place because we were so worried about getting a tackle who could start in the 30s. It, it just seems if you look at these past seasons and these past draft classes at the tackle position, it's very rare that you pick at 32 or even 28 and find a starting tackle. So let's segue to this tackle group. You said Orlando Brown is easily the top of the class. I would agree with that. But then you look at like who's next. And I have some names here for you. The first is is uh, Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers. Right uh, kind of a still a young player, but would you say it's fair to say he hasn't lived up to the hype? He's just, he's just kind of a quality, he's a good, quality right tackle, right? He's a good player. He's a right tackle. He's a good right tackle. Like if they brought him in over, um, over, over Andrew Wiley, like is he a better player? Probably. He also missed half of 2021. He missed four games in 2019. He's never made a Pro Bowl. He's 28 years old. Like, is he a good player? Yes. Am I going out of my way to pay Mike McGlinchey? No. Probably more expensive, too. Yep. yep. If your yep. weakest link on the offensive line is Andrew Wiley, I don't think that's bad. I mean, how many teams have catastrophic, uh, catastrophic weakest links on their line? Probably half the teams in the league. Oh, so if you have all above average players and then Andrew Wiley coming in at average, I think that works. Uh, the next name is Caleb McGarry from the Falcons. And he's a great run blocker, kind of like Orlando Brown himself, but a little bit more unproven as a pass protector because of the system he plays. I mean, they, they hardly pass there in, in Atlanta, right? Right. Right. I mean, I think you'd rather have Orlando Brown. As my lights continue to just flicker on, and, and I think that's more. that's kind of the the point of this intellectual exercise is we go down the list, and theoretically fans can get mad. At, yeah, you get mad at Orlando Brown, you get frustrated, but like, and it's the same thing with Harrison Butker and so many other Chiefs. What is the alternative? They may be frustrating, but I can tell you what the guy who's rooting for the Jets or the Lions has more reasons to be frustrated than you do. You know, how many, you know how many teams, if Orlando Brown's a free agent, would inquire about him? Half the league? Yeah. Half I mean, the, minimum. Minimum half the league. Maybe more than that. Teams, maybe maybe some teams that would like to improve at right tackle. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm going through right now. I'm sitting here. I'm going through, like, the drafts in recent years and, like, guys who went around pick 31 who are tackles. You would take Orlando Brown over every one of these guys. Like Isaiah Wilson, who literally is one of the biggest busts of all time. Okay. Um, Darashaw went 23 to the Vikings. He, he's a good player, but he went 23. You'd have to get up there. Like Tevin Jenkins and Liam Eichenberg. Yeah. You would, you would take Brown in a heartbeat over either one of those guys. Um, you know, you go to, you go back to 2018, like Caleb McGarry was taken 31st overall. Again, like Jawan Taylor, 35th, Cody Ford, Greg Little. All these guys are not even holding a candle to Orlando Brown. Like, you just keep going down the list. I can do this all day long. Like, Austin Corbett, yeah, guess what? You, you'd rather have Orlando Brown. It, it's just – it's easy to sit there 
and be the guy who's like, I just would, I would absolutely take somebody else. No, you wouldn't. Like now, Ryan Ramshack went thirty second to the Saints back in twenty seventeen. Like he is a really good player. He's better than Orlando Brown. He's right tackle. He's better than Orlando Brown. It took me to get to twenty seventeen before I was like, that guy's better. That's half a decade. Like you're not. I think sometimes there's just this assumption, especially people who love the draft, where like first round pick. Guy's going to be great. You don't know that. And you know what Orlando Brown is. To me, like, is he great? No. Is he a borderline pro bowler? I know he's actually made three pro bowls, but, like, this year he shouldn't have been a pro bowler. Is he a borderline pro bowler? Yeah. That's fine. You can win with that guy. That's Eric Fisher, who they won another Super Bowl with. Like, what you can't win with is a turnstile who doesn't know the offense. And so, if I'm the Chiefs, I I would invest in him. I would. And I think continuity on the offensive line is super underrated as well. It, it didn't just yeah. work this year because Veach hit home runs all over the place. It worked because they all stayed healthy and got to work together as a unit. You see these other teams that have to constantly switch up their offensive line every week of the season. And it's just usually a disaster. I think that happened for the Rams this year. And, and it, it completely um, blew up any chance they have of repeating. I mean, even making the playoffs – Jawan Taylor was another name on my list, but I I agree with you. This guy is a good pass protector, but he's terrible in the run game. And you would just prefer Orlando Brown. He's a better player. And we know Orlando Brown works in the system. So the only other possibilities for an upgrade that I see are trading up in the draft or trading for Laramie Tunsil, maybe Donovan Smith. Is that even an upgrade? No, he led the league in holding penalties, I believe, didn't he? Wasn't he like a penalty he, machine this season? Yeah, he had a he had a down year. So I think unless you go out and get Laramie Tunsil or you want to trade up in the draft, and I don't know if trading up in the first round is worth it unless you're going to get a quarterback. I don't really think they have any realistic options except sticking with Orlando Brown. I just don't. Like sometimes I just think it's easy to just look at this and start to like almost turn yourself into a pretzel trying to make a million different thoughts work. Like, look, he's just better than any of their alternatives. He is. And he's protecting a $450 million quarterback who, if he's upright, is basically God in cleats. Like you're not you're not turning that job over to some rookie and going, I don't know, I hope we save some money on that. Like, for what? To pay who? Like to pay Willie Gay, like I like Willie Gay, but if you're asking me who's more important in this team, Willie Gay or Orlando Brown Jr., it's Orlando Brown Jr. Like not even close. Not even. I would argue that other than Mahomes, the most important player on the team is who the hell is playing left tackle. I mean, you could like Kelsey's yeah. better, Jones is better, but in terms of like importance to winning, who is playing left tackle? Because if that guy sucks, you got a big problem. Because, look, if Wiley misses a block, guess what? <laughs> you can see that guy coming. You know, if an interior guy misses the block, it's not good. It's going to blow the play up. But, like, you can at least see it coming. You don't see that guy from the left side coming. So, look, I'm not saying that he's more important in terms of, like, how, how good he is. He's, I don't even know that he's a top 10 player on the team. But he is incredibly important to them succeeding because he is protecting the most important player in the world. And so that therefore he becomes very valuable. And you made an excellent point earlier when you said that Mahomes seems fond of him. 
And I would say at this point, two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. Mahomes probably has more input than your average quarterback. We, we've seen in Green Bay what happens when your uh, quarterback gets, gets unhealthy or unhappy with his supporting cast. So if we're not going to do anything big at tackle and we've discussed wide receiver, I think the other possibility for an upgrade is edge. And I do think there are some free agent options here that would be better than Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap. So it's an, uh, an interesting discussion. The first name I have here is Yannick Ngakwe, who is essentially uh, just a, a pure speed rusher. You know, he's like a relief pitcher, so to speak. Right. Do yeah, you I mean, think someone like him or, or Mag, uh, Marcus Davenport from New Orleans who has that first round pedigree and has been pretty good when healthy, but had kind of a, a down year. Do you think they should take a shot on someone like that? Gawkway makes more sense to me. Like Davenport is younger and he's a first round pick. And we know how beach feels about first round picks. Marcus Davenport this year at half a sack, especially off a down year. Like that's, that. that's kind of the beach special. You know, the, the problem with him, he's hurt all the time. Plays. Davenport or Ngakwe? Huh. Both. I was talking about Davenport. Like Davenport, 13 games played, 13 games played, 11 played, 11 played, 15 played. Like, his 21 and a half sacks. And you know what? My guess is somebody's going to overpay him because it's a bad year for, for edge rushers in free agency. And some team is going to say, hey, man, we'll give you a nice contract because we think you can play. It's going to be the old Randy Gregory thing where you're like, wait, what? Why is Randy Gregory getting $70 million? Guy had 15 career sacks. Like, what are we doing here? Now, Ngakwe to me is more interesting because he had last year, he had nine and a half sacks. And he's had a lot of years of eight plus. He had eight, 12, nine and a half, eight, eight, 10, nine and a half. Like that guy is guaranteed to give you eight. Guaranteed. And it might give you more than that. And, and on a team where he's going to be rushing the passer like crazy, like I'm, I'm cool with that. Now, the downside of Ngakwe is he doesn't do a damn thing against the run. Like, no. you can just run at will on Yannick Ngakwe, whereas you can't do that against Frank Clark. I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting, that I found interesting. When I was at the Super Bowl and I was talking to those players right after the game, every single one of them, everybody I talked to, Kelsey, Jones, on down the line, all without being provoked said how important Frank Clark was to the team and how they want him back. Now, they're not bringing him back to the current cap hit. That's not happening. The question becomes, he's due 7.7 in dead money no matter what. Like, if they cut him, that's what they're eating. How much more do you have to pay him to just bring him back? You know? I mean, because at that point, like, would you Three, rather? four, five? Yeah, I mean, so let's let's say it's $12 million bucks, right? So let's say you're paying him $4.3 million extra. So instead of saving $21 million by cutting him, you're, you're essentially saving 16.7. Would you rather save sixteen point seven million and have Frank Clark, or save twenty one million and not have Frank Clark? Like, I just rather have Frank Clark. The calculus is pretty easy to me, especially given Clark, right? like the kind of leader he is in the locker room. What you're saying, I think, is one of the most crucial and underrated aspects of Frank Clark, regardless of what we think of him. In that in that uh, locker room, he's a superstar. He's one of the leaders of the team. I love him. He is a a perennial pro bowler. Uh, The rest of us might not value him like that, but 
he is one of the most important chiefs um, in terms of culture. And I think culture is a just huge, huge, very crucial part of what the chiefs do. It's the reason why Kadarius Tony flames out in New York and comes to Kansas city and is a super bowl hero uh, half a season later. And if Frank Clark is part of that, uh, you got to put a premium on that too. I just, man, I tell you, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I'll just toss out an overarching thought, and you can poke holes in it, you can agree with it, you can do whatever you like. My feeling on the Chiefs this offseason should be they need to extend some of their young core guys, guys like Lejari Sneed. My, my school, you know, see, I just started to talk, and then my school started hitting me up for uh, more money. They, they call me every single day, and they're like, hey, would you like to donate to transfer? I'm like, are you kidding me? Still paying. <laughs> um, love the school, though. Great school. Anyway. What I would do is I would pay some of their younger guys who are eligible for extensions because you got to always, if you're Veach, you're looking ahead, right? You're looking at 2024, 2025. Well, who are the guys that are major guys? And one of the reasons for that is because the salary cap is expected to to explode, right? You got all this Google and Amazon money coming in. Oh, like betting money. I mean, you know, gambling companies that are now in, like FanDuel and DraftKings on stuff. Dude, by the end of the, by the end of the decade, Pre-COVID, I talked to three different agents who all said to me, it's going to be over $400 million by the end of the decade. Now, because of COVID, I don't think it's going to get there. It's going to be probably 350 Yeah. So that's another reason to, uh, to, to extend Orlando Brown instead of franchising him, right? It's cheap. It's going to get look, – look at Mahomes. My God, Daniel Jones wants $45 million a year. Daniel if he ends up getting, getting paid the same amount as Patrick Mahomes, this will be the best – not not the best contract in the history of sports. The best contract in the history of business, life, the universe. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable how comical it is. It, and by the way, it's great for him too. He's making $450 million. Like it's it's one of the all-time win And he's making so much money outside football. And it, it's got to be like almost like a second job for him at this point. I mean, between right. State Farm and also now he's got a Netflix documentary coming out, which you can't wait to watch that. Like, my God. That man is making more money than God, and good for him. But I think what's interesting is if I'm Veach, I'm looking at this going, all right, well, how do we – like, we can upgrade the team in the draft because we've been doing it for years on end, and that's the cheapest, most effective way to upgrade the team and stay competitive year in and year out, right? So if I'm him, I'm saying, who's up for a new contract? Like, who's got one year left on their deal of real major consequence? Frank Clark, who I don't know if you have to extend him, but I think you want to rework him, keep him in the building. Chris Jones, who I'm sorry, at this point, you just extend the guy. I don't care. Like, you pay that guy. Then you get into Willie Gay with Jerry Sneed, right? Like, those types of guys. If I'm Veach, my focus this offseason is on those types of guys. And before everybody starts with, like, we can't afford all those guys. You can't afford to keep all those guys. Look, here's how this works, okay? So, Come next offseason, not this offseason, next offseason, you start looking at cap hits on this team. Justin Reed's got a $14.2 million cap hit. If you cut him, you save $11 million bucks. MVS has a $14 million cap hit. He's never going to see it because you can cut him and save $12 million bucks. All right? Like, you start going down the line, a lot of guys like that. Like, Clark's off the books after this upcoming year. Okay. You keep looking, Niang is a small thing, but if you cut him, you save 1.1. Same thing with Kendo. You save a million bucks. Between Niang and Kendo and MVS and Justin Reed, 
that's $25 million. Like, that's that's an ungodly amount of money. You could you could literally extend Gay and extend Jones, and like you're covered with those cuts. And you just replace right. those guys in the draft and you're good. So I think sometimes a lot of people and, and and then like, okay, now you talk about Sneed, factor in the cap bump. There's that extension. Like you can get these guys in there, and then you can always look, you can restructure things, you move money around. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm trying to take care of those types of guys, and I'm not worried about free agency this year. I'm not. Like, I would take care of those guys, and then I would worry about drafting well. And if you do that, you're good. You're fine. I'm not saying you won't sign anybody. Like, maybe there's one guy you really want, like a safety or something. Okay, cool. But, like, I'm not going nuts. I'm not going out and spending 50 million bucks this year in, in free agency. Why? I would you wait for the second wave this year. It, it's a, a, such a bad class that all these teams that jump in and overpay for the first guys, you know, the top guys in each category, Washington they're going to really regret game. that in in, uh, in a year or two. So I think in theory, I agree with you. My question is with this many draft picks, they really have too much capital for that many players to make yep. uh, they're gonna have to use a team. Them. And I, we could have said that last year, but now that all these rookies are actually playing, I just don't think there's 10 spots on the roster. So are right. they going to use some of those picks, weaponize them, move up in the draft, go out and get a player, do something of that nature, and 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 see that as a more fruitful avenue than this uh, terrible free agency class? Yeah, I think, look, if, well, what I think it really lets you do is move up in the draft. Like, if there's a guy you really want, package feels bad boys, move up, you know? Yeah. But I think I think the Chiefs, again, are in a really advantageous spot. And Mahomes' contract, you can always push down the road and you can you can restructure it. Anytime you do it, you're saving 23 million bucks. Like, they just have the ability to do this stuff. And it, it's – I think sometimes people worry too much in the NFL about cap crunches. Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to – I mean – They'll they'll move on from some of these guys. They're not well, if you've got an money. owner who's willing to to foot the bill for some of these bonuses, like yes, if you're a Vegas fan, yeah, you got you got to worry more about the cap than like New Orleans or Kansas City or whatever. Don't care. They'll spend the money. Like I remember this summer that they extended Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jones in the span of like a week. And for people who don't know this, I know we talk about this a lot when I talk with Patrick. So, but I do know this. But when a contract in the NFL gets signed the guaranteed portion has to go into escrow at the time of signing, okay? So let's just say, for example, you sign Kelsey and there's $80 million guaranteed. You have to sign, if you're Clark Hunt, at the time that contract signed, you have to take an $80 million check and put it in escrow. You have to have that money liquid. That's beyond you. And they have to tie it up in escrow. A lot of owners can't do that. I'll tell you right now, you know what's going to be a problem for? The Bengals, all right? That's going to be a big problem for the Bengals. Go look at all their contracts and go look at how much money is guaranteed in those deals. Not a lot of it. Because it's got to be an escrow. You can't pay as you go. The Chiefs paid some obscene. Somebody could do the math. I forget what. It was an astronomical amount of guaranteed money in a week. They didn't care. They didn't care for them. It was like a drop in the bucket. Clark Hunt has more money than he knows what to do with. It didn't matter to them. And that's why in this scenario with the Chiefs, I think you you take care of Willie Gay. And you take care of LeJarius Sneed and Chris Jones. And, man, the cap going up is going to help you. Moving off of some of these guys like Reed and MVS in a year, that's going to help you. You're good. continuing to draft well will help you. Look, I'm not dumb. They're not going to be able to keep everybody over the years. They're not. I mean, some of these guys are just going to walk. Maybe they get to a point where they can't pay Trey Smith. 
Maybe they don't pay Willie Gay. Maybe they let him walk. But I, I think if you're the Chiefs, there are certain guys, the Sneeds, the Joneses of the world, like you keep those guys, you pay them, and you you worry about everything else. I agree with uh, Sneed just because of the position he plays and the versatility he provides the defense. He allows Spags to really disguise things. He can just do so many different things well. Right. With Willie Gay, mm, I need to see a little bit more. Number? What's it, the number? Yeah, what's the number? Could, because first off, it's the position he plays, which I don't think is as important as Trey Smith or Creed Humphrey. For, I agree. for this team in uh, particular, you're looking at a team that wins with offense and has to protect number 15. So yeah. if I'm thinking down the road and thinking I want to prioritize Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey over Willie Gay, I might hold back on that. Also, if I think Nick Bolton is the more crucial linebacker than Willie Gay, he's a year behind. So you, yeah. have, you, have, you have to start thinking about that. Yep. And I, I think he is just because of, of the leadership aspect. But uh, Willie Gay is a pretty special player. I don't know how many uh, guys could have blitzed Hurts uh, like that and, and got to him in that crucial moment. So I think he he played lights well, out in the Super Bowl. Here's, here's He did. And here's the other thing I'd argue with Willie Gay. Like, I think he's really valuable to, like, Chiefs fans. If he hit the mark, like, how valuable is he out there? He's never made a Pro Bowl. He's never not anywhere near an All-Pro. Like, he doesn't play on third down typically. He's an off-ball linebacker. He doesn't blitz. Like, to Chiefs fans, it's like he's a really, really good player. But he's not the kind of guy that, like, he's going to hit the market and get 4-70. and 70. Like, that's not happening. That's not – like, you could probably get Willie Gay for a pretty reasonable contract. Like, Three really, for 30, maybe? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't even know yeah. if it's going to that. Like, I, I mean, I just – he's a two-down, off-ball linebacker. So, now, Bolton's a different deal. Because Bolton is is known. I mean, Bolton is like every time you see one of these lists, like who are the ten best linebackers in football? He's either on it or he's an honorable mention. Like he's going to cost a lot of money. And even though I think tackles are a terrible way to judge a player, when you have a hundred and eighty of them, like people notice who you are. Okay, so he's going to cost more. Gay's not going to cost that much. I think Sneed is probably going to cost him around. I don't know. I mean. It depends. What Ward got or a little I was less? Just, I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So Ward got, what, 11, if memory serves me right? 11 or 12. I, I, think, I, I actually think thought that, the cornerback market was more affordable than I thought it would have been last year. Yeah, I mean, so I I think if you're being – if you're if you're factoring in the cap rising and everything else, I mean, I think he's probably like a $13 million corner, which is not bad. Like for your number one corner, that's fine, especially when you have McDuffie and all these other kids you're paying on the cheap. You can pay one of your corners thirteen million bucks. You can pay, you know, one your second linebacker a little more if you're if you're, you know, edge rushers on a rookie deal for three years. Right, they're thirty first you know? in um, cap spending on the secondary, so they're hardly you know they can afford to go to go up on you one can guy. Pay one of those guys, especially if you're uh, cutting Reed after next year. Like you can pay that guy. You know, I I think if you're the Chiefs. You know, that's how you have you have to factor all stuff in. I think a lot of times we look at it and go, well, geez, can you pay that? Well, yeah, you can if you got eight rookies who are contributing who cost nothing. So I, I think there's a lot of that. But if I if I'm Veach, I'm focused internally this offseason and and maybe making one move in free agency. Maybe like I I'm gonna bring in a safety or I'm gonna bring in 
uh, and a, a receiver who I think could really complement the offense and be a, be a guy who we can go to on third down. Like, that's cool, but I'm not going nuts. They just won the Super Bowl. Like, go draft well, bring back a bunch of these guys long-term on second deals, and go from there. The chat is talking about Leo Chanel. Another reason possibly to to potentially let Willie Gay go if you're kind of grooming his his replacement. Kind of guy, though. Huh? He's a different kind of guy. Leo yeah, Chanel's I think he is. He, run stuffer, man. He's yeah. not a guy like Gay in, in coverage. And it's crazy because he's just as freaky a, a, of an athlete as Willie Gay is, but it's a different kind of athlete. I, I don't, yeah. He's not a yeah. lateral athlete, right? Yes. He's much more of explosive downhill. Like that's who he is. You saw that. Uh, I mean, him versus Dallas Goddard and covers. That was kind of a, a huge uh, mismatch. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a surprise when he got mossed out there. Let's just say that. But you uh, know, he, he had a nice year. Like he played a lot of the special team snaps and he was a guy who consistently played, you know, around a quarter of the snaps on defense in the in the Super Bowl. He's right at that number. He's at twenty four percent. He played eighteen. Got a snaps. sack. Yeah, he did. He got a he got a sack. He had a sack in the regular season. Like, look, I think Leo Chanel to me, Chanel is a guy who is a really nice guy to have on rundowns. Like that's what he is. I don't think you're ever putting him out there on three downs. I don't think you're putting him out there on third down. I think you're putting him out there on first down occasionally. Second down. By the way, that's fine. Like, if yeah. that's what he is, and he's a really good special teams guy, too, you got the guy, like, pick 100. That's that's great. Um, but I don't think you look at him and go, yeah, he'll replace Willie Gay. Like, I don't I don't think he's that guy. I don't think, he, I don't think he's that style of guy, I, I guess would be the better way of putting it. Well, I mean, Gay is one of the five fastest linebackers in the league. So you want to replace that guy, you're going to have to draft it. Replace it one-to-one. Uh but yeah, I agree with you. I think bringing in a, a receiver. Now we disagree on on the age of that receiver a little bit. We do. But I think both of us are saying the same thing that just because they were kind of understaffed at the wide receiver position this year doesn't mean that that's going to be the new normal in Kansas City. Uh, they just kind of got left high and dry by Tyreek a, a little bit. Good thing Juju was already in tow. But um, which do you think is more possible? Them making a move, a big move for a receiver or for an edge player? Uh, man. Um, that's a great question. You know what? I'll say receiver. I'll say receiver because – because I think the edge class is atrocious. Now, so is receiver, but Hopkins is going to be made available and Allen might get cut. And so, therefore, all of a sudden, you got two guys who are really good. Now, I'll tell you what. I could be in the minority in this group. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm, I'm completely in the majority. Keenan Allen in the Chiefs offense should be put behind a paywall. Like, that guy with Andy Reid, oh, my God, man. They would put him – on the perimeter, they'd put him in the slot. They'd have him run every route known to man. He would be – I mean, Juju on a human growth hormone is what he'd be. I, 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 seriously, if you said to me he catches 100 balls for 1,250 yards and like 10 touchdowns, I'd be like, I could see him doing that with the Chiefs. Like he's just – I think for my money, him and Cooper Cup are the best route runners in the NFL, period. The guy is an insane route runner. 
And if you put him on that team, he can do it all, man. He can get deep occasionally. He's not the fastest guy, but he's so good running routes, he gets open. That guy on option routes in the middle of the field with Mahomes, good luck. Have fun. Have fun covering that. Like, I don't know what you do with that. I think he would be fascinating. Now, I wouldn't go giving him, like, a fully guaranteed three-year contract, but no. if you could give him, like, two years and $28 million and it's essentially, like, two one-year deals, I'm good. Sign me up. I'm more into the risk on that if he gets cut as opposed to sending a second-round pick to Arizona for Hopkins or to right, Tampa for Mike okay. Evans. Because then, then you're kind of double-paying – and there is some some risk with these guys that have been injured and are, are are pushing into their 30s. So I would rather us not do the do the Frank Clark where we're trading and and paying for a guy in draft capital. Uh, that's why I think Keenan Allen is is attractive. Uh, and I do agree with you. You brought up Cooper Cup. Any chance he gets moved? Any chance the Rams say? And I kind of feel the same way about him. He's he's no uh, spring chicken. He's like 29. But you think the Rams are like, okay, this era of Rams football is over. The the kind of Donald Stafford Cup. Let's reboot. By the way, if he's he's actually thirty to your point, and uh, God, he hasn't even been in the league that long. I know. I know. How he old was he when he was a rookie? Twenty five. I was going to say he was mid twenties. Yeah, I think he's twenty four. Wow. I think he was old. Yeah. Um, here's the problem, man. His cap numbers the next four years. Like 27.8, 26.3, 26.3, 23.8. Now, those last two years you could move off, but like, man, I'm I don't think there's any way in hell that you should pay those types of numbers. Uh, any any way in hell. I it's that's just why I'm, all, over, all over again. Yeah, and like and for what? Like I'm not now to me, Hopkins is the much more interesting guy if you're gonna trade. Because to me, Hopkins, you look at him, man, and like that dude. If you look at his contract, I know people still think like, well, 18 might that's it's not it's not a bad contract. First of all, if he goes to the Chiefs, okay, like right now his cap numbers are outrageous because he's on Arizona and they're 30.7 and 26.2. But if he gets traded to the Chiefs, all they're paying is his base. They're not paying his prorated bonus, which the Cardinals just for ungodly reasons gave him eleven point three every year. Okay. If you're the Chiefs and you're acquiring him at his base salary. That contract is two years and it's 30, just do the math right now, 34.3. 17. And there's Earth. and there's no guaranteed money. Like, what do you care if you're the Chiefs? It's it's so it's basically two one-year contracts with DeAndre Hopkins, who by the way, this year, okay, he was suspended the first six games at PD issue. Okay. Here's what's ridiculous about DeAndre Hopkins. Think about the quarterbacks he played with in Arizona this season. I mean, just a potpourri of absolute garbage, okay? Man played nine games. He had 717 yards on that team. Like, garbage, 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 in garbage out with Cardinals. Almost every year the guy's good for like 13, 14, 1,500 yards. Now, he's 30 years old. Okay, he's going to be 31 by the time the season starts. It's June June uh, 6th is his birthday. I would prefer that if if they are looking for a receiver, I think Allen makes the most sense for them in a lot of ways. But Hopkins, man, like God Almighty, I would I would take the guy in a heartbeat. If they you think his game is going to age better 
the reason I kind of like Keenan Allen, he's never been fast. He's never True. been fast. It's just his whole game has been based on his intellect, his route running, his toughness, uh, just a lot of intangibles. Yeah. And, and so I'm kind of thinking a player like that who relies less on um, explosiveness because DeAndre Hopkins, he's kind of a boundary ball winner, right? Like he's just a guy that goes up and gets it. Yeah. He, he's yeah. not as much of a possession receiver. Uh, so he and Mike Evans are kind of similar in, in that regard. And I'm just wondering if the Keenan Allen type prototype player ages a little bit better. I'd prefer Keenan Allen. And I also like to throw this out. If you're Keenan Allen and you get released by the Chargers, there's not a better place in the world to go than Kansas City. Like, yeah. you get to go to the Chiefs and just stick it to the Chargers twice a year. And then on top of that, potentially go win a Super Bowl with them. And you have Mahomes. I mean, it, it, you could do a hell of a lot worse in life than be Keenan Allen and go to the Chiefs and just absolutely throw the middle finger up to them every time you have the opportunity to do it. We need now, Melvin Gordon to start doing some recruiting. I mean, he the only reason I think he was partying is an FU to both uh, the Broncos and the Chargers. Yes. I also think it's very funny. Like Keenan Allen, by the way, I see a lot of people saying he gets hurt all the time. It's not really true. If you look at his history, so this year he was hurt, right? This year he played 10 games. Here, here since 2017, because in 2015 and 2016, 100%, he was hurt. He missed eight but games. Didn't one he have year. like a lacerated kidney or something? Yeah, weird he missed like eight that? games because of a lacerated kidneys. And then in that, week that's, one. That's a freak thing. Yeah. And then he tore his ACL week one in 2016. Since then, here are the amount of games he's played. 16, 16, 16, 14, 16, and then this year, 10. Like, it's not hurt that often. He literally had, this year, was the first time in six years he's been injured. The guy's not hurt that often. That was a long, long hamstring injury, though. It was. Oh, 100% it was. But I also like to point out that the Chargers, because of the Chargers, brought him back for one game in the middle of that, and he just immediately re-injured it. Right before the bye week, right? Yeah. They brought him back in Seattle. They were like, yeah, let's give him a shot. And then they immediately hurt him again. Like Brandon I, Staley, I, the executive uh, decision maker, strikes again. I, man, I'm telling you, it, like, Allen, the other part of it, too, is if you're the Chiefs. <laughs> like, it can't. You need a week or two in November, bud, you take it. Like, who cares? See, in January, like, if you're the Chiefs, you don't you don't care. Like if you played, if you played the the Bears at our at Arrowhead in October, you go, hey, you can't that hamstring. It's bothering you a little bit. Why don't you sit one out? Like, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. You think they cared that Canarius Tony missed games in December? They didn't care. Nope. They want him on the field in the playoffs. That's it. So for me, uh, also, if there's any if there's any team in the world that a guy would leave and then immediately be healthy as can be and go for fifteen hundred yards, it's Chargers. Like that would be the most Chargers thing of all time. It just, you know, but in any event, I I think to, to go full circle on your question, if they're going to make a big move, the only position in free agency that's loaded up is safety. Safety's got a lot of guys. Jesse Bates. Hoyer, Bell, Gardner-Johnson, Thornhill. Now, will the Chiefs pay at that position? They're already paying Reed, so they might not, right? But and they that's the one position. Yeah, and they have Cook, right. So that's the one position they might not. Maybe they just say, Effort, bring back Thornhill. We'll see. Um, kind of seems a little doubtful. I would I would lean more unlikely than likely. 
But okay. I think it depends on the market too, man. Like if you get like the top four teams in the league that need safeties, who all spend on safeties, and he's not one of them. Now all of a sudden you're like, uh, hey, yeah, one, two years. The devil, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, how's it, how's it feel to come back for two and twelve? But look, I think um, I think if the Chiefs are going to spend, and it's a guess at this point, it's a guess. I I would think they would go after a receiver. That would that would be my. What about the one guy, the the, uh, the young guys I have on my list? Ayuk, Elijah Moore, Michael Pittman. Any of those guys' possibilities? You know, uh, Elijah requested a trade midseason. Brandon Ayuk, if you look at his situation now, uh, first of all, his team needs draft capital because they've unloaded it all for Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. But secondly, he now has a running quarterback. And he's really kind of the fourth option in that passing game behind Debo, who just got paid, Kittle, who's been paid, Christian McCaffrey, who ain't cheap. And he hasn't been extended. So that's kind of looming. So he's a guy I look at. Maybe he's expendable. Maybe he wants out. I would kick the tires on him and Elijah Moore. And then with Michael Pittman, it seems like Indianapolis is finally making the decision to reboot, which they've been putting off year after year after year. We didn't think AJ Brown would be available last year, right? We didn't even think Hollywood Brown would be available. Someone is going to pop up and and be available. That's under the age of 25 and has the potential to be a number one receiver in Kansas city. Do you think any of those names are realistic? Um, I don't think you shouldn't moved. Um, they're trying to win now. Like they're trying to win Super Bowl. I, uh, Pittman's interesting. I mean, I, the only thing is, you're the Colts to draft a rookie quarterback. Like, are you gonna, are you gonna then trade Pittman? Same thing as ton, uh, with Tunsil. You know, you want to uh, yeah, like, surround yeah, these guys. I, I keep seeing it. It's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna put Bryce Young there, just get killed every time he drops back. You know, I, I think if you're looking for a receiver, I'm trying to just run through teams in my head really quickly. Like a, a guy maybe that nobody's talking about. You'd be like, oh, that'd be interesting. Um, now I'll tell you right now, he's not going to trade to Kansas City. What about Gabriel Davis as a guy who gets traded this offseason? Now he's not going to Kansas City. He's not going to see him, him and T. Higgins, but they're not going to Kansas City. No, they're not. But like Davis is a year left on his deal, and he's been really inconsistent. Like he's talented, but he's inconsistent as hell. Bill's got to pay a million guys. Going to pay him? Going to pay Gabe Davis? Because somebody's going to somebody is going to give Gabe Davis twenty million dollars a year. Bill's doing it. Couldn't be me though. Ugh. I think he's really overrated. I think he's didn't, good like five games a year. Yeah, didn't show up in the playoffs. He's too boomer bust for me. I brought up Elijah Moore because if you look at that situation, right, right. he wanted out, and then they have to be feeling like Garrett Wilson's a budding superstar. Oh, no, They've no. got Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios on the books, and Denzel Mims too. They still got uh, Denzel Mims under contract. Is he a bit of a luxury? Is he the kind of player that they could move? Especially if he's disgruntled and wants out. Maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, we're I, fishing, I, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to find something. No, you, I hear you. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. I'm just running through it in my head. Like, who else? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's possible. I'll give you a guy, and you might have brought him up. Maybe when my power was busy going out, but mm-hmm. you bring up Alan Lazard. I did. Yeah. Somebody yeah. asked me about the other day in the podcast, and I was like, eh. I don't know that like I'd be like, oh man, you know, it'd be great. Like Alan Lazard, let's go ahead and get another guy from Green Bay who has like 700 yards receiving. But 
he's of all like the the second tier guys, if you want to call it that, he would probably be the guy who'd be most intriguing. I forget who brought up either on Twitter to me or on the podcast or whatever, but it was a good thought. Um, and I hadn't thought that much about it. I mean, hell, we just got done with the season. But like a guy like that, you're like, oh, you know, he's the kind of guy like I'm not going – he's probably the kind of guy, frankly, if you bring him back, like you're not bringing in like Juju, right? Like you're just at that point, like he's a replacement. Yeah. Um, or you're like cutting MVS or something like that. Like you're not bringing all those guys in. Um, Same with Jacoby Myers, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, Myers, by the way, is an interesting guy. He's, he would be the other one because, God, he's played with nobody. Like the last couple of years, I maybe mean, played Brady at the beginning of his career, but yeah, played with completely Brady. shot Cam Newton. Yeah, and then like Mac Jones, who also looks like completely shot Cam Newton. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are some guys out there that you look at and you're like, okay, that's interesting. You know, the I, chat is asking about Deontay Johnson, Ceedee Lamb, Godwin, huh. as maybe there's no way in hell Jerry Jones is getting rid of uh, oh, Ceedee Lamb. Lamb's not going anywhere. Now Deontay and, Johnson, he. I almost brought him up. I think he's so he's got he's got two years left on his deal. He's twenty seven years old. Um, if the Steelers move him, they're eating like eleven point six, and they're only freeing up four point six at least according to over the cap. Now maybe there's like some mechanism in there because sometimes there is about like if you move a guy prior to a certain date, then you know his his, his money changes. But yeah. uh, now if you trade him post June one, then it all flips. You could trade him post June one. Um, They've been known to ship guys out, Claypool and and others. They're not afraid you know, to. And he's a weird guy, man, because he's got a lot of talent. But he also drops a lot of passes. They, I kind of like what the Steelers do with the receivers, and would like us to emulate that every year, second or third round. They never pick guys in the first round, but every single no. year they're reloading, yep. and they're like, "We'll we'll trade these guys. We won't resign them, but we'll keep restocking." And they've had a pretty good hit rate doing that. I don't know that it's worked out every year, but. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that they have had consistently one of the best wide receiver rooms in the league. Um, yes. Terry they, they McLaurin. Always, I, they're not, they're not. Moving Terry McLaurin. Like they're not going to, you know, and by the way, Alec uh, Lester says it was me. So there you go. Thank you for giving yourself credit as you should. Cause I could not remember who it was. Um, but yeah, like Godwin, Myers, Godwin was the other name that that's that they're, they're not moving him. They're moving Evans. If they have to move off a receiver, right? Yes. Yes. Like then it's just it, well, I will say so with the Bucks, man. That could be a full blown fire sale. Like that team needs to rebuild in the worst way. And they're fifty over the cap, right? Something oh, more than that, man. Like really? sixty over the cap's insane. Yeah. So you know, could be I a fire see, sale. Yeah, it could be. You know, and that's so. Like there are spots that are interesting. And by the way, you just don't know, man. You don't know if all of a sudden some guy's disgruntled for whatever the reason wakes up one day and is like, "Nope, oh, I'm pissed and I want out." You don't know. You don't know. I mean, the NFL, man, it's not the NBA. We're like the NBA guys just literally, I think, do it for fun. Like they wake up and they're like, yeah. ah, what the hell? I want to cause chaos. The NFL is not quite like that. But, yeah, there's always going to be guys who want to move. I there's mean, we had three, three top eight at worst receivers demand trades last year. Yes. So I mean, he'll, he'll I mean, go somewhere. Brown goes somewhere, right? I mean, it happens. You never know. So I think that the Chiefs have the draft capital and the financial flexibility to really do whatever deal falls in their lap. And that's what I would probably kind of summarize as my like strategy suggestion is just for them to be patient. You know, they don't need to go. This team doesn't really need anything bad enough to get desperate or take a bad deal or to overpay. Right. There's no reason. 
There's no reason. Why put yourself in a bad spot for no reason? By the way, speaking of putting your bad, uh, yourself in a bad spot for no reason, uh, this will be a nice way to kind of get into our wrapping up of the pod. In Rapport, four minutes ago, the Broncos spent today with an intriguing candidate for their vacant defensive coordinator job, Matt Patricia. Oh, my God. Have fun, Denver. Good luck. Old pencil ear. Man's got a pencil and a laminated sheet. It's not good. It's not I, good. Hey, it's good for us. It's amazing. I, I can't, I can't stress enough. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat all the crow. Happy to do it. I cannot express what an absolute tire fire I think that team's going to be next year. Like all these people, they got Sean Payton. Look, I will tell you right now, I do not know Sean Payton personally. I've said hi to him. I've been, you know, a couple times in, the, in when he's talked in media availabilities at the combine stuff. I do not know Sean Payton. But I've been around him enough and have been around many people who are around him all the time to tell you he is a very intense, demanding person. It's not a bad thing. Just who he is. A lot like Parcells, who he coached under. And then you have Russell Wilson doing high knees on the plane and high-fiving mm-hmm. himself. I can't And the think, office in the building and all that. Bro, I, I oh. can't think of two people who are more different. Like All I, all I can picture is it, it, like the second day of practice in Denver – Russell Wilson throws an incompletion, and then he's doing high knees back to the huddle. And John Payton just goes absolutely apoplectic in the middle of practice, like to the point that they need to like like walk him off the field. To Is that why they brought him in, though? Did they give Russell Wilson too much control, and they thought we yeah. can't have another Nathaniel Hackett? We got to bring in and uh, somebody with some clout who can kind of eclipse Russell and put probably. Him in his place. Probably, but here's my thing with this. And, and that's a very, very valid way of looking at it. My thing would be, though, that's all fine. You can tell him he's not going to have an office anymore. But Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He's been this guy since Seattle. Like, this isn't like all of a sudden he had, like, some some personality change. No, he thinks he's Jay-Z. He thinks they're Jay-Z and, uh, he's Mr. and, Unlimited. and uh, Beyonce, right? Dude, I, yeah, like, he's Mr. Unlimited. He's all this crap that he believes, like – Sean Payton's going to lose his mind. Like, I can't envision it. This is not going to be where, like, Drew Brees walks in there and Drew Brees, like, listens to orders and he's cool with it and that's who he is and he's fine. This is not that at all. And, by the way, Drew Brees grew with Sean Payton because Drew Brees got a new start that same year and Sean Payton was a rookie head coach. Okay? It's different. Sean Payton is going to come in there and tell Russell Wilson how it's going to be and he is not going to deal with a whole lot of, as, as Jeremy points out, Russell Wilson screaming pass at the defense. Okay, he's going to turn around and say something I can't repeat. Uh, oh my god, that that was the most uh, junior high stunt I think I've ever seen a, a uh, superstar quarterback pull. So, I I can't imagine that whole thing. And but and all these people, it's not a good marriage. I just think oh you know, Sean's all about the football and winning, and this guy is like not a human being. He's a brand. Yes, it's Payton, very weird. That's going to wear out its welcome real quick with Sean Payton. And lastly, on top of all that, okay, all these people who are like, you know what? They got this great roster. Now they got they got paid. No, they don't. They had two Pro Bowlers last year. They have they have Sertan, who's awesome, and Simmons, who's a really good safety. That that is it. The next person who says to me, yeah, but what about Patrick and Judy and Sutton? Not one of those dudes is a Pro Bowler. Not one of those guys is a top 15 receiver in the conference. Not Most one of them. overrated wide receiver core in the entire league. They're all 
they're like they're the equivalent of like MVS and Juju, which is fine if you have Mahomes. They do not, and they also don't have Travis Kelsey. Like they they have no pass rusher that scares you because they traded away Chubb and Gregory's good for like three sacks a year. Okay. You look at that team, and unless Wilson becomes the prime version of himself again, which is good for that. And by the way, Javante Williams, great talent. Unfortunately, I do I feel horrible for him. He had a brutal knee injury. Like, I have no idea what that dude's coming back from. They have no offensive line. All these people are like, yeah, listen, now they got Peyton. They're going to be – why? Why are they going to be good because they have two guys in the secondary? Like, that team is the least talented team of the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos by a mile. Now, the Raiders, call me when you know the quarterback is. I don't know. But even the Raiders, if they get a decent quarterback, have a bunch of guys, to be fair to them, are Pro Bowl-level players. Those are two guys. Two guys. And I got I got to listen to people. Like, you know, if Tim Patrick comes back, what, it's 800 yards? Like, fine. That's being generous. It's, it's whatever. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's, a, he's a number two on a decent team. And so is Sutton, and so is Judy. Like, they're gods. The reason I think they bring Sean Payton in, the bonus is that you can put Russell uh, Russell Wilson in his place, but I think they're looking forward. I don't think they care if they're the worst team in the league this year. They are building from the ground up, and and maybe Sertain is the only real building block they have. Uh, so I agree. We don't have to worry about them for a while. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's just such a weird – like conversation around them. I, I just, I'll never understand it. They're not, there's no world where that team is a Super Bowl contending team this year. None. And by the way, they haven't had picks now for like three years. Like, good luck with that. Hey, in any event, look, I think they got all, one back though. Oh, and then they sent it out. They for pay. It. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't have a pick. Oh my God. It's insane. Like, the team has no picks. That team, yeah, they're in a position to trade for a coach, really. I mean, uh. Anytime you can give up multiple picks for a coach when your team is about to win six games, you have to do it. Um, look, you want to hear? You want a real good laugh? Like, okay, take take Sertan out of it for a minute. Who's a great pick and a great player? Their draft classes in recent years are like, honest to God, like pee your pants hilarious. It's so Von Miller was drafted second overall in 2011. He is other than Sertan. The only Broncos player that they've drafted to be an all pro on a first team in the last 11 years. Jesus. And by the way, if you want to keep going like even further, so start in 2012, the year after Miller was drafted, Malik Jackson made one Pro Bowl. Okay. Then you go all the way to 2016, Justin Simmons has made one Pro Bowl. Then you go to Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton, who both made Pro Bowl, Sutton once, Chubb twice. And then you get to Sertan, who's made one Pro Bowl. Okay, now I'm not going to sit and do the math because I'll, I'll bore everybody to death. Those are the only guys who have made a Pro Bowl that Denver's drafted in the last 10 years. Tyler Huntley just made the Pro Bowl. That's how you stink. Mm, they're in bad shape. It's a shame. They, uh, they got old, which is what the Chiefs don't want to do. Because I think it, it, once you get to be sort of a perennial doormat, it's just hard to build yourself back up. The Chiefs were looking that way before Andy Reid swooped in and kind of saved us. So, well, guys, I think that is all we have for you today. We appreciate you for supporting us. Kind of an unusual show here with me and Matt on Wacky Wednesday. Uh, Sterling will be back with us. I think tomorrow you're on with uh, with Patty, right? That's, yep, that's Alan and I, as always, back at it. But until next time, go Chiefs.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.